Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Joined by the Northern Echoes, Richard Mason. He's like a friend of the show now, you know. We talk Arsenal, West Brom, and a ton of other stuff. This is the Wise Men Say podcast. People have reminded us through the medium of Twitter today that Richard Mason does indeed have the um, quietest voice in the world. Um, are you using that microphone that goes up to 11, Gareth? I am. It's uh, appropriate because of um, Richard's similarities to Nigel Tufnell <laughs> in mentality. It's something I've been working on quite a lot. <laughs> As we can Turn say. him down now. As we yeah. can say. Gary Foster's on next week from the Shares Gazette, and he can talk. He, well, in contrast, he's probably got the <laughs> he's probably got the loudest voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I was toying with the idea of getting you both in and making you share a microphone just to watch Gareth struggle with the sound yeah. throughout, throughout he'll, the podcast. He'll need like a muffler. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna um, we're gonna try and be in an uplifted mood today. Amy Lawrence was on last week and she told us all to cheer up. She emailed me after the show and told, <laughs> told me not to be so down. Said things can't be that bad. But you know, is is it pessimism, Gareth, or is it realism? Um, realism, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, gonna, um, I was I was toying with the idea of getting some uh, uplifting music and putting that in the background just to lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm struggling. How many size? How many size? Before we even started, we are when we talk about the Arsenal game, we aren't gonna, we aren't gonna go into the Martin Atkinson thing. I don't think because it's been done to death. We all know it was wrong in a significant area in the game. I'd rather talk about the negatives and positives. Um, what was Dicanio's mood like today? But you were in the press. You were in the presser. I, I couldn't get there myself. But you were in there. Was he was he up or down? Because he his mood is quite contrasting week by week. I'm starting to find now. It's it was up today. I mean, he's 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 kind of recognised where where they've been going wrong in recent weeks, and he's he's not changing the system, and he's still kind of resolute on the fact that he's not going to change the system. It's going to be four four two, but he's saying you know there can be little tweaks made here and there, and I think he's he's still kind of trotting out the same line of they need a gel, mm-hmm. um, and it's not going to take five games for them to gel straight away. So it's going to be a work in progress until it's pr- then. It's probably a good thing for all of our listeners that they know that I'm not going to bang on about the three man centre midfield anymore because we all know he's mm. not going to do it, and that's it. And the question um, was asked again today. Was it? <laughs> Who asked that? Um, oh, some, uh, I can't remember now, but it was it was just a general kind of mm. just uh, out of something that he said. It was basically is is. Altidore or Fletcher going to drop deep during the game, mm-hmm. um, or are they going to? Are you considering a third man? And he and he basically said it's the former that Altidore and Fletcher will yeah. will be expected to drop and perform the duties of a third man in midfield. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he seems he seems hell bent on a Gareth, doesn't he? So we've we've just got to go with it now. The Arsenal game in particular, the first if we're going to talk about the first half, 
we looked like <coughs> a side without any direction again, didn't we? A lot like under Martin O'Neill's last few days, like under Steve Bruce. But um, mm. at that point, bef- before half time came, I know we we're playing Arsenal, but were you worried? Um, I, w- I was more worried. I, th- I think you can sit back and and defend if you want to in in the first half and stay in the game. Um, the problem is they didn't really. You can still defend positively and still defend with purpose. I just don't felt. I don't feel as though they. They, they, you know, they they wanted they wanted to to do what they'd been asked to do. They just seemed a bit, you know, just like you say, just flat-footed and plodding about and just trotting. They like, look like they look like a bottom of the league side who, well, who, who weren't the, believing the body, themselves. The body language was poor. I thought, like goal kicks and stuff. People were like turning the back on the ball and sort mm-hmm. of like slouching back to the positions. Just need a bit of belief in what in what they were doing. I, I, I don't know why they didn't have that. Um, but you know, the, but you know, there's. I think people were getting a bit too um, excitable about the first goal in, in, in a positive respect from Arsenal's point of view. But I think it was just because Ozil took the ball down that all of a sudden it was the greatest touch mm-hmm. that anybody's ever taken in the world. It was a good one and finished, to be fair, but as well. It's, it's absolutely shocking defending. Mm-hmm. That that was It was terrible. Um, just, you know, what was Dee Keaton doing? Going, you know, looking for the ball in central midfield, for starters. And then that takes Shalutska out of the game. Completely when he loses the ball, so Shalus has to cover for him, and then you know, Robert has to go at the ball, and then there's just gaps everywhere. Callbacks on his heels, so you know, Giroud you know, sniffs out the chance, and you're two against two. So, Bangor's a positive mood already. <laughs> no, but <laughs> we, the thing with T. Kitty, though, he did have a good game after that. We're talking about body language, you mentioned body language, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Key didn't do an almighty amount in the first half Richard but one thing I noticed was when Westwood get the ball he was screaming for it then when somebody ran and picked him up he was pointing towards Roberge as if say give him it he's somebody who's going to want the ball That lo- that's a positive yeah. thing isn't it yeah. to take from it I, well, I spoke to him yesterday actually he said that he wants to be link and play between defence and midfield and attack and kind of be in that, that linking player yeah. um, and he was doing that quite a lot in the second half I think I was partially down at the fact that once Sunderland got that goal five minutes into the second half, Arsenal did fall back a bit and they weren't as offensive as they were in the first half. And I think that gave time and space in midfield for the likes of Gardner and the likes of Key to do a little bit more damage with the ball and kind of use it a bit better because they didn't have that pressure on them that they had in the first half. Well, it galvanised everybody, that's mm. for sure. I mean, a goal straight in the second, you know, as soon as the second half starts, is going to. Um, what were you? What was your opinion on Roberge, Gareth? Because you've just talk, spoke about Dee Keaty there, but I wanted before we moved on to get your opinion on Roberge because he's one who against MK Don struggled physically, extremely so, and we were we would talk on pre- prior to the Arsenal game saying that Giroud was going to cause him problems. Um, <laughs> he looked um, he looked quite assured though, didn't he? He looks like he he wasn't great, but the improvement was I was, thought, was I substantial. Thought he did. I thought he did well. Um, I was impressed with his uh, blocks. His positioning was really good. Um, I was really impressed with Rebej in general. Um, but you know, it's the pair of them, DK and Rebej, is it's and no com- player's a complete player, obviously. But the, it's that two minutes of the game that can cost you the result. And I think we saw that the first goal was a prime example where the key is made. You know, basic error and dragged everything, and that's it. You know, you're one nil down, um, and and that's what they've got to cut out. Um, but I thought Roberge was quite good actually. 
and that's with it, like it's particularly some of his blocks he made two or three good blocks Bef so before we move on to the team thing I'll stick with individual performances uh, I also thought Mavreas had a had a good mm. game Richard and also probably the most relevant Kieran Westwood because there's been you know I think a lot of people just assumed he was at a similar level to Miglalea we were thinking that but if ever the difference between the two has been highlighted this season in, in Westwood he hasn't looked too assured at times but he kept us in, a, in the game in the first half I think yeah he did I mean I mean a lot of the shots from Walcott were straight at him mm. and he, he did he did the simple stuff well but I think you know Minulia didn't hit the ground running in, in his first few games and once once Minulia had a run in his side and and kind of got got underway he he never looked back but Westwood hasn't had that kind of opportunity and he's 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 doing all right behind a defence that you know never played together and keep changing, he's, keeps he's changing done, every week. Yeah, exactly. That changes kind of on on a whim every every game. So so I think he's 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 doing pretty good so far. Mm -hmm. um, when we talk about the team collectively now, and as I mentioned earlier, luckily for everybody, I'm probably not going to bang on about the midfield three thing because we know he's going to play two. But we're going to be positive about the midfield, even to a point where Gareth has even said some nice things about Craig Gardner in midfield. <laughs> yeah. <Yikes. laughs> No, he was really good, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. He and was. Keep going. I'm just going to give you the floor now. No, when he came on, he was excellent, and I said at half time, the guys around us, I was like, "Oh, it's like for like, Vaughn's rubbish. He's gone off, and Garner's come on. And he's rubbish." That was my that was my uh, initial assessment, but shut me up. So, and that's the thing, though, Richard. He's got to take his chance now because yeah. I remember. Bear with me on this one. We we were having a conversation I remember regarding the cricket over the Ashes I'm going a bit left field here stick with it <laughs> and um, we were talking about the bowlers coming in the side you know who would come in Bresnan, Onions and the like and we, you said that all the bowlers apart from the obvious three were much of a muchness and that anybody could come in and do the same job as the last and that's how I look at our midfielders Vaughan, Gardner, Larson mm. you know when, if we, if we ne when Catamore was playing I'd have put him in the side now you, you would imagine Key's going to be a mainstay so those three midfielders, you know, it seems that one week, some one, like Vaughan played well last season against West Ham, was it? And everybody was saying, oh, he, he's great. And then he played bad against MK Dons this season. Larson came on, changed the game. People were saying, oh, stick with him. Gardner now has even got Gareth supporting him because he came on against Arsenal and played well. But one of these lads has got to make it stick now, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't deny that he didn't change... They didn't change. They did yeah, change did. the game change on Saturday. He did, you know, but the, he's within got, minutes, this has so. happened before, so he's got yeah. to make it stick now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's almost a specialist free kick taker. I mean, he could have that in his locker. He's special specialist penalty taker as well. But I'll give it the penalties. I'm not sure. Have, about you, the have you seen a better penalty taker no, in Sunderland in your lifetime than Craig Garner? Because I, I mean, John McPhail probably slightly before my time. He scored a lot of penalties, didn't he? But. I think Martin Scott was decent. Yeah. But Craig Garner looks the best, yeah, but in terms of technique it's uh, mm -hmm. you know, no no one ever seems to get anywhere near it. No. But yeah, you're right. I mean the the midfielder the midfield problem is is something that's and you, you say you don't want to talk about it today, but it is gonna be <laughs> something that, that will kinda of drag on and on because I don't think Decanio knows what his best midfield two are. It is it is always gonna be a midfield a central midfield two. And the way he's talking today suggested that it's gonna be key alongside either Gardner or Catamol mm -hmm. um which I I I'm surprised if he does if he does pick Catamol ahead of Gardner after after Saturday's display. I don't think Catamol's really possibly he's he's involved he is but I think like you say I think like we all know that Gardner I think he likes to reward people so possibly what we're seeing now one of them needs to make this stick if you've got yeah. Lee, if you've got Lee Catamol breathing down your neck Gareth not literally <laughs> <laughs> you're going to you're going to have to keep your performance level up now because 
Lee Catamol's always sp- opinion, I think, was Sunderland fans, but I think he'll get a very, very positive response. Mm, I think, I think so. Um, it's a, it is a case sometimes that the longer you're out of the team, you better you become. Um, but with Gar- with uh, Catamol, I do feel like he's a better player than people give him credit for, and I've, we've both championed his cause in the last couple of well, the last couple of years. Sorry, the last uh, privately in the last couple of years, but you know, publicly on this podcast in the last eight months how long it's been going on for um, but Decanio said today I think he'll be involved I've got a feeling he'll pick him because he said, he's saying like he's in the squad and when I pick a player in the squad they could be, they've could they got to be ready to play mm. he could pick them so he could just be making sure he's ready mentally well, what's, what's striking is he did during the press today he did name him Quite a few times without actually being prompted, he said, "You know, I have, I have Catamol, I have," and he mm-hmm. kind of yeah. he was top he's of the list. Eased so he's, him back he's, into, he's, he's eased him back into his vocabulary almost, doesn't yeah. he? After being after being just outcast in the mm. summer, he's, he's he's quite clear. You know that this is the thing about what, what gets me sometimes about some of the nationals and their their you know assumption that he's like a madman almost. You know this. We're going to talk about this later um, in more detail, but. This, he's precise with what he does and he's careful he knows what to do he, he, knew, he knew he could make an example of Bardsley he tried to outcast Catamol and he wants him so he's, he's sort of easing him back in gradually he didn't one day just say okay Catamol's back in my plans now and that that's meticulous Gareth isn't it yeah I mean <clears throat> there is a fact that Catamol hasn't been available for selection as but well but he still didn't speak up he just still didn't say you know when Catamol returns from no no um, I mean, he's talked it all up again. We had a man-to-man discussion, and this was said, and that was said, and he's back on board. And exactly. He's, so but he's it making was, it sound it, like it, it's on his terms. Do you all think it was time. quite interesting what he said about his uh, injury record and saying that it's no coincidence that he's been injured all the time because they haven't been doing, he hasn't been doing the correct strengthening work in order to. Mm. That's what he's in a in, like. So the Decanio answer was probably five minutes long, but it sounded like he was basically trying to say. Um, he wasn't doing. He wasn't being given the work to do in order to correct the back problem, well, if the you, knee problem. If you remember, his his first kind of back injury came around the time when Sunderland were losing a load of players to back and knee and kind of mm. hamstring injuries. And it was like a mystery. And there was a, yeah, there was yeah. kind of an inquest into it. It was during Steve Bruce's tenure, which was the worst inquest yeah. ever. <laughs> 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 well, well they do. They just said somebody's going to speak to somebody more often, something like yeah. that, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of the injuries that came around him coming back were coming back too soon. He was playing, mm. you know, forty-five minutes and then being stretched off, and it's you know, it hasn't helped him, and he's had. What a year, eighteen months, well, less than a year now to get back up to full fitness, and I think I, th- I don't think the doors, I don't think the doors ever been closed on him. I think mm. it was just that because he wasn't involved at the start, Decanio automatically discounted him. I think he, he's made some interesting comments about the Brown situation and in regard to Catamol as well, saying you know he's basically said to Brown, "I'm going to sell you," and that was probably the case with Catamol. Now Brown came back with a frame of mind that I'm going to. F- I want to play. I'm going to force my way back into the reckoning. I'm not finished here. Whereas maybe Catamore initially was probably because he was kind of O'Neill's boy, wasn't he? Mm. He's probably maybe took a slightly maybe res- negative response at the very, start. Very, very, very good friends with Phil Bardley as well. Mm. And then, it's but now, good. now he's kind of decided he's going to knuckle down and do this. But you know, Catamore is an asset. It's, it's to Sunderland. We miss it. We've missed him when he hasn't played before, and. You know, like this, the fitness thing. I remember him coming out at Everton after half time once, and then like holding his back and walking back down the tunnel and being substituted after coming back off at half time and stuff. And people talk about his inj- his uh, disciplinary um, issues. I can take the yellow cards to be honest, because he's people get bogged down. I think in the fact, oh, 
where he's a liability. It's like, oh, oh if Cantwell's a liability, well, maybe he's just a type of player who gets a, y- a lot of yellow cards. That's mm. okay, because if you've got, like you say, you've got... A lot got, of them unjustified as well. If you, yeah, well, it's, he's it a sounds man. Like, it sounds like you're paranoid, but, we're not, but you're not, you really aren't. Yeah. You, you, it's obvious sometimes. But he's got... Now, if he's out, then he's going to get booked, he's going to get suspended, then you just bring somebody else. That's why you've got a squad. So I, I haven't got a problem with him getting booked. Like, if that that's his game, he... He's, he's not, like he's, you know he's a tough tackling midfielder. So what? He gets yellow cards the sometimes. In, it's the injury, isn't it? But it's, it's, exactly, it's, he's injury. missing more games through it. It's his lack of availability through injury and not not being unavailable because he's because he played and got booked. Last time we had a successful parent in the midfield, and we talk about this loads on the podcast as well. Almost like reminiscing a little bit too much was when Lee Catamore was paired with Jordan Henderson. We aren't going to sign him. We've established that now, um, especially because considering the start he's had. But Richard Key moves the ball very quickly. That was one of Jordan's yeah. traits. He does it very accurately as well. So that looks like it's a combination that could work very well. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about kind of central midfield partnerships, that's Sunderland. I, I personally think back to Kevin Ball and um, and uh, Lee Clark in that. Boo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's it's a kind of they're both complement each other's game. Yeah. And that can be the same. And I think every time I've looked at, if you're going to play four four two, you've got to have someone who does the dirty work, yep. but can also pass as well. And you need someone who can, you know, unlock the defence and look mid, make forward players, bring the wingers in, bring the strikers in. And at the moment, it looks. I mean, I've from what I've seen of Key, forty five minutes on Saturday, um, various kind of YouTube clips and things like that. He seems to do that pretty well. Um, uh, well, we all know that Catamol can. He played the full game at the weekend, though. Yeah, he did, but yeah, he he didn't really do that much in the first half, did he? Neither. neither I thought he was. I thought he was much. busier in the first half than in the second. No, actually, I thought he played better second. I think he played better. I think he played better. He looked a bit. He sort of had a few dallies on the ball in the second half. He looked mm. a bit. Well, the last thing on Catamol there, you've just mentioned there, Richard touched upon at that. Um, talking about doing the dirty work, and Ga- mm. Gareth mentioned the other week that Seb Larson was doing an okay job of that recently. And sometimes it's the things work off the ball goes unnoticed by supporters. Yeah. Yet, um, while that's true, and speaking as a limited footballer, I know I know all about how important it is to do off the ball stuff to justify your place in the side. While that is true, uh, somebody who's even better at it does get noticed for it, and that's Lee Catamol, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, cause that, that, that's because he brings that reputation with him. He's, he's known for being a. You know, a, a hard, tough tackling midfielder, and maybe perhaps sometimes that's a bit unfair because he can. He can pass a ball. He can as pass, well, and yeah. he can. That's what I'm saying. The, yeah. the people who are better than the likes of Larson, no mm. disrespect, can do more than the stuff you don't notice. If you yeah. know what I mean, you will notice him because he's better at other things. Passing is he's extremely underrated in the well, passing department. He's, what he's what um, Catamol's really good at, I find, is finding the um, finding the one who gets in between the lines. So when he picks it up deep, if someone does make that movement in in between. Uh, the, the midfield and defence, the opposition half, he's quite good at picking that pass, and that that's a key pass because once you're in, once you're in that space, that's when you start to cause problems. Um, when when I was when I covered a game a couple of years ago, it was when Sunderland drew nil nil against Manchester United. Um, the time when the, the United dressing rooms leaked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Catamol played centre mid, and he he sat back and he just just dictated the pace of the play mm-hmm. by just playing playing, you know. Metronome style football. I think he you know, played pass, a three man midfield that day actually. Just to get <laughs> it in the right right I think he did because Zenden played. Zend- he, Zend- tended, post, he, he tended to only play Zenden in a three man midfield because that was one of the things he said when he let him go. I think he can only play in a three man midfield and then he went and signed players 
who can only play in a three-man midfield, which is bizarre. While we're talking about centre midfielders, before we move on to the West Brom game, we'll have to briefly talk about the Cabral situation. You watch him for the reserves, you've night Gareth. Anybody who, who watched the game or is basically who's on Twitter could say by your Twitter feed that he didn't have the best of no, games. No, he wasn't very good. Um, this is a situation now where if his attitude looks like it's lacking or there's something wrong with it, because apparently it was the lack of desire, etc., etc. So it's a case of like almost, you know, what came first, a chicken or the egg? Is he has he been like this from the start, and this justifies De Canio's exclusion of him, or is he like this because of De Canio's treatment towards him? We don't really know, do we? It's it's a thing. It's like I was saying. He's used the word meritocracy before, um, and I think based on Garner's performance and a meritocracy, if he's true to his word, Garner should play um, based on his performance. But then Cabral, However, Cabral after, after yeah. Fulham mm-hmm. dropped straight away. Now, what's happened between Fulham and um, what's happened between Fulham and Southampton? Now, there's there's a few stuff going around this week. It's become like Mobile everyone's everyone's going on about everyone's going on about oh Cabral, and then it's like oh there's a few people going well we don't even know that much about Cabral. Cabral isn't all that anyway. So why are people getting fussed about it? I think the fuss is over the actual the situation. And the logic of De Canio, and I think you know De Canio gets criticised in the press constantly when he does, um, and you know the, the. But it's never about things like this. Mm-hmm. So the inconsistencies in his team selection, things he's, you know, the fact that Cabral is first choice, we let and I go. We've been over this, but and then all of a sudden Cabral's like fifth or sixth choice mm-hmm. in in six weeks. Mm. Um, Vaughan nowhere to be seen. Didn't play a lot last season. He came in as a sub a few times and he got sent off last game of the season. Back in this season, apparently he's been our be- one of our best players to quote Canio, which is bizarre. Um, you know, I think there's wider issues and, and, and Cabral is part of it, but the Cabral thing's been because he had such a good pre-season and, and such a good game against Fulham. Um, there's an interesting thing I, I wrote it in the um, the Durham Times uh, piece uh, that we have. Um, yeah, I hope you read that. Yeah. Um, Five games, uh, five games, four, five games this season in all competitions. Three of the games, he's made substitutions at half time. One of the games, he made a substitution the forty seventh minute. What's that saying about Paolo Di Canio's team selection? He's getting it. He's getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. He must well, be getting we, it we wrong. Were, we were told from the Swindon end that to expect, you know, um, to not expect consistency in his team selections, and it will leave you scratching your head a lot. But making substitutions at half time in three of your mm-hmm. four Premier I understand. League games, and it's a, of course it's the opposite, total opposite of Martin O'Neill. He used to leave mm-hmm. it to the last five, ten minutes. But um, you hit the nail on the head there regarding the stuff that he can be criticised for, which we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about that after we spoke about the West Brom game because. We're going to talk about the Martin Samuel piece specifically, um, but you're, you're right that it's sort of diverting our attention away from mm. it. But we are going to um, speak about the West Brom game now, and we're going to get Warren Stevens on the phone, who does blogs for the Express and the Start, and we're going to speak to him right about now. <laughs> sure what the right about now Mark, um, remark was all about but at least you've got to hear our little intro jig there in between we have Warren on the phone now Warren you there yeah yeah I'm here yeah. hi mate how you doing uh, not so bad cheers yourself yeah not not bad not bad I'll start ask, uh, start talking to the lads here first regarding the fixed list it's one point Richard it's, you know no, no game looks easy 
um, when you're losing. West Brom sitting just a point above us. If you could pick an away game, would it be that one? We have we don't travel well to West Brom normally. You have to play everyone twice. That's that's that cliche out of the way. Um, <laughs> that's my favourite. It's, it's still. I think. I don't know. I might be old fashioned. It's still too early to be looking at the league table. I don't. I don't like it when we publish it in the paper. I think it's because you know two wins and you could be touching Europa League places and yet still be thirty two games away from from the end of the season. So it, it is. Just it trying is to early. swing our mindset back into the positive manner. Right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But but yeah. I mean, the, if you want to look at the table, it doesn't lie and it doesn't look good for either club at the moment. Um, but to say that West Brom is a good game for Sunderland to go into, you'd, you'd probably have to ignore the recent record there because they haven't done too, bad, like done too well there. Like I've they? just said, Warren, is that something that you um, that's on your mind? Are you superstitious? Do you look at Sunderland at home and think you've got a pretty good record in this fixture in, the, in recent seasons? Um, to be honest, I've uh, I've uh, I've tended to oh, well, I've avoided the, the league table thus far um, purely because we we keep losing games so. <laughs> I tend to sort of shut myself off. I don't think that's something you do, but I, mm. I sort of ignore the league table and we'll don't watch it. But um, in terms of, of playing you, I think it's uh, we've had over the, the years we've been in the Premier League, we've had a really tough start, generally speaking, every single year. And this year, ironically, we've had probably the easiest start we've had on paper. And um, well, look where we are. So oh, yeah. lost a couple I of winnable home games, haven't they? That, uh, that, uh, that yeah, we're not. Um, Sunderland's probably. The game on paper is not necessarily what you think it's going to be, is it? So, mm. what mentioning one name? There's only one name everybody is going to think about on the plane, on the plane stuff in this game. That's Stefan Sessegnon making his debut. Unbelievable! You couldn't write this. What was your thoughts, initial thoughts, when he signed? I'm, I'm actually really pleased, to be honest. Um, we've we've played four games. Our first goal came in the 92nd minute of our fourth game. Um, We've not created any chances whatsoever in the, in the four games. So, well, in the first three games, sorry, um, we didn't look like we were going to score in any of those games, and we're obviously lacking sort of a creative option somewhere. Um, I can understand and accept the notion that that Sessegnon's quite an inconsistent player. He's going to be quite frustrating, but he's obviously quite talented as well, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So, it's interesting. We're probably going to bring yeah. something that we don't have. It's interesting. Is, sorry, it really, well, certainly was a relief going into the last day of the transfer window. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm generally quite pleased to be honest. I think um, we've got a few players in. He's probably going to play in the hole behind the strike. I would imagine we've got a few options there. So I'm sort of hoping that because we've got options there, it might bring out a better side of him, a more consistent side, and. If it doesn't, then it's it's not the end of the world. Do you know what I mean? We've got mm-hmm. James Morrison, um, some fella called Amalfi Tano we've just signed from Marseille, and we've got players that can play there. Um, so he could be a really good bonus for us, but but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we do need someone to unlock the the opposition door, though. So mm-hmm. I mean, sounds Gareth so, all sounds quite a talented player, isn't he? So, so hopefully sounds... he can do that. I think. Sounds a little bit familiar, Gareth. Um, aside of a no creative spark and kind of just looking towards Stefan Session <laughs> to make something happen, doesn't it? That's been a story yeah. over two seasons. And, you know, despite his talent, he doesn't always unlock defences, does he? No. It, <clears throat> it's funny because week to week you, you'd go to the game and hope that it was going to be one of those days where Session was, was going to do what he you, you know he could be capable of. But it was. You know, few and far between. I mean, I would, I would definitely not have sold him um, because he, he's a, he, in pre-season. I would say he looked really good, um, and then I think he 
had some issues and basically went right off the boil, didn't he? Um, and that's what you're going to get with Sessegnon. Um And it's funny because everybody we used to speak to on the podcast and say, who's the player you fear the most? They'd always say Sessegnon. Because they watch Match of the Day and it shows you these great yeah. goals. And the thing is, though, be, Richard, you know, it's all it's all well and good us sort of standing here now and saying, oh, Sessegnon isn't all that, isn't all that, because he's he's, he's been a big game player in the past, hasn't he? And he a ho- been, yeah. and the home debut against your former club is a big game, especially when yeah. both side want both sides need the points. Yeah, the, the the added kind of thing is that he's he's not, you know, he's he's only two weeks gone being a Sunderland player so it's, he's, he's going to know quite a lot about how Sunderland are going to line up and how, how they're going to play because well, right. that's not going to change it's going to be a 4-4-2 and he's mm-hmm. going to know that yeah. and you know it, that could be that could be a, a different thing in itself but but yeah he's he, he was always quite a difficult player uh, you always expected him to do really well because of the pedigree he had and the skills that he had but he never seemed to find his home he never seemed to find a home at Sunderland mm-hmm. never seemed to kind of find his position mm-hmm. and, and it, it always seems to be Sunderland need to find a system to accommodate Stefan Sessegnon rather than kind of build a system that can win games. It's interesting that I heard a comment from Steve Clark saying referring to Sessegnon as a striker. Um and I was I was quite interested in West Brom's transfer business because there was a lot of talk about West Brom needing a striker and then they signed Sessegnon who doesn't really score any goals and then you sign Anichibi who doesn't really score any goals and then you got and you got Shane Long there who seems to score some goals, so so I was quite interested. Is it is it a system thing? Why he's decided to bring in these types of players? Or I, I think we've lost as well. Um, Lukaku, um, yeah. obviously gone back on loan uh, from being on loan last year, and Odin Wingy, which between them he's probably about twenty five goals a season. So it's not just bringing in players that haven't scored; it's, it's losing players that, mm-hmm. that have scored. I guess so. We've got a huge void to fill. Um, in terms of Sessegnon on being a striker, I'd be I'd be very surprised if if he was to play up front we have as you say got a plethora of strikers we've got Bidra as well from Watford who we got on loan earlier in the window um, and the system we generally play is with one striker and you've sort of got two it's sort of a 4-3-3 slash 4-5-1 depending on the opposition um, whether we're at home or away and obviously someone in that little hole behind which has generally been James Morris and I, I would suspect that Sessegnon's going to more likely occupy a supporting role or one of the wide positions coming in rather than the central striker because the central striker is someone who needs to to hold the ball up, link link the play together really. And and I, I can't imagine that Sessegnon being I don't know how tall he is, about five foot eight. I, 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 I don't even think he's that. for that role specifically. I think that's more going to be Anna Chabie's role and Elka's role, Long's role rather than Sessegnon's to be mm-hmm. honest. But um, after the MK Dons game, Richard, me and my friend who, who sits next to me in the match kind of walked away and said, "I think we need Sessegnon to play because you've just you've just hit the nail on the head there by saying you can't really pin him down to a position. We use this word enigma for him all the time, but often when a team's lacking in confidence, if you just get to like football in its rawest form, even think about when you play, sometimes tired legs, players out of ideas." You can hit him all the time, can't you? He's a player mm. who you can who you can look for, and you know that he'll he will the ball will stick with him, and he could pull something out of the bat. Could not always. Yeah, you say that, but then then again, for the for the other eighty eight minutes of a game, somebody's got to have to carry him, and you, you essentially could be playing with ten men really, and mm. you know. But I, I don't know. I think um, I don't know. Sorry it's very to, to 
jump in, going back to the point you were saying about him playing as the front man. Um, generally, I think Albion play quite a, a sort of deep, well, a sort of a deep sitting side that's heavily reliant on that on that front man really. And if, as what you say about Sessegnon being a very in and out player, it's the sort of a heavy risk really to have that that pivotal front man as as you say for Sessegnon for. If he's going to be inconsistent, you need someone up there who's who's going to be bang on it every game because mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're sort of sitting deep and you've got one man quite a way up the pitch, then it doesn't matter how good you, your eight or nine players are behind you. You're sort of only as good as your front man, really, aren't you? So a lot of the problem, Warren, is that I think you know Gareth used the term forward, and I think you can get bogged down in terminology a bit because he, I don't he's not going to be the front man, the lone front man, or anything like that. But playing behind a striker is probably classed as a forward. Steve Clark's probably just classing yeah, that as yeah. a forward. But However, he won't <clears throat> he won't do the track and back that might be expected of him. Yeah. Did um did did you play four four two against did you not play four four two last week? We played four four two against um the first game against Southampton and after after uh, about forty minutes of being absolutely steamrolled by Southampton's midfield, he sort of switched it to a four five one with long occupying a wide role. And since then, they've thought it's sort of been more four-five-one than four-four-two. But last week, Anelka um, played with Anna Chaby, but Anelka naturally sort of drops off, doesn't he? Yeah. So essentially, mm-hmm. it sort of ended up being a sort of four-five-one with Anelka just dropping behind Anna Chaby, if anything. Um, last year, we mostly played four-five-one slash four-three-three. Yeah. Um, I think that's the preferred system, and I would I would expect on on Saturday that, that would be the system again. I mean, I'm also interested in sort of like generally what the perception was when what was the sort of excitement levels like around bringing in Sessegnon. So obviously, I'm sure you read whatever your you know your most popular yeah. fan forum is, Twitter stuff like that. Was there excitement about bringing in Sessegnon, or um, was, to be was honest, some? It was, there was Obviously, there's more excitement about the the prospect of bringing Lukaku back at the time because I'm sure you all watched the uh, the transfer window yeah. unfold. About half an hour left, he actually looked like he was going to come back. So, so if anything, the Sessegnon transfer sort of slipped under the radar a little bit. But it's quite mixed, to be honest. I think most people are generally quite optimistic about it. I mean, he's always played quite well against us in the past, so mm-hmm. I think he's generally held in high regard. But um, but yeah. I, I think we were just crying out for for anything after mm. the first three games. To be honest, there were a lot, there was a lot of desperation around, and anyone that was deemed to to improve what we had was was most welcome. To be honest, so we, mean, we were quite pleased, really. You mentioned that last season you you played mainly like four five one, and this season he's changed a little bit. So, are you aside in transition in any way? Then do, do you get the impression that Steve Clark has a, a different direction he wants to take the side now? Yeah, well, I say four five one. It's probably more four two three one last year. But I mean, I suspect that the first game of this season, we've obviously signed an Elker in the summer. Who um, I know he's, he's knocking on a bit, but he's he's still quite a big name, isn't he? And I think Clark's struggling to find a way to accommodate an Elker, and he was trying to get Long into the same side as well. A Long since picked up an injury, so that's not as much of an issue. Um, but yeah, I, he's struggling to get his his best side to be honest and, he, and we've not had a, a really settled side for the first few games and I suspect having picked up quite a few players on deadline day it's going to be a few more weeks before that happens and yourselves as well I mean you've brought in a lot of players this summer haven't you so yeah. I'm sure you're probably going through a similar sort of thing aren't you I don't know if it's, it's... sort of just finding out your best system 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And getting everyone within that, really. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's it with us. Um, well, the, system, the system's predetermined. He, what he's playing, he wants to play 4-4-2. It's finding the, find the right, finding the right players to play in that at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's the second midfielder. Now we've signed Key. He'll be the yeah. first choice. It's, a, it's a whoever's going to play alongside him, really. That's... And in the centre backs. What's happened with with Catamol? Is he is he just fallen out with Catamol? Is that the? Well, we spoke about this earlier. He he, he had initially sort of looked like he froze him out, but he's offered mm-hmm. him an olive branch now. He'll be in the squad for yeah. the game on Saturday, which is encouraging for us. So if we can get on to West Brom again, and what you're saying is he he hasn't quite worked out the right system to play this season. Can you can you give us any positives from it? Is there is there an area that you think Sunderland should be worried about at the weekend? Where where do you see your strengths? Um, our strength is probably within our midfield, really. Um, I say on the first day we went four four two and it didn't work out. Last year we had sort of a midfield triangle, if you will, and it was Malumbu, Jakob, who were massively underrated pairing. Jakob's not particularly started well this season, but Malumbu's a wonderful player, sort of our version of perhaps Newcastle's Tiote, maybe. He, he just sort of gets everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we won a lot of games by wrestling control in the middle of the park last year um, I know you, you say you like to play 4-4-2 don't you I don't know how that's going to work out tomorrow if we sort of have the free in there but, um, <laughs> this has been the debating point for us all season to be honest Warren um, if I'd flip that question around then and obviously you know we've been saying here that we, we don't understand well we do understand Sunderland's system but we don't understand our, our full strength team at the moment it isn't too clear is there an area you would look at what might concern you for the game. People normally see Stefan, Stefan Sessignon in this situation. So what, what, what would you say now, looking at our side? The wingers, Adam Johnson, perhaps? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Because we've, we've got some major problems in the full-back areas, to be honest. Um, I, I think most of our defence was um, came about from the Roy Hodgson reign. That was quite a deep sitting back four. It invite pressure, mm-hmm. invite a lot of crosses into the box. And as such, we've got fullbacks like Ridgewell, who's quite—he's a, a centre back by trade, mm-hmm. playing out as a fullback. Clark's come in; we've become a little bit more expansive, and all of a sudden, Ridgewell's playing a slightly different role. He's having to get up the pitch a bit more. Mm-hmm. The, the spacing behind him, and if, if we play against a side that's got tricky wide players, pacey wide players, he struggles. Billy Jones—he's up and down on the right hand side. Mm-hmm. He struggles to cover that ground. Richard, that's, game, obviously. that's interesting. So if, if we've got, we're playing against a side that's got good wide players. To be honest, Adam Johnson against Ridgewell, I'm not going to sleep worrying about that tomorrow night, probably. So, so yeah, I think that's an area, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Fletcher is 
an ex-Wolves player and presumably will be booed all game and he likes scoring against us as well so, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so perhaps that's one to worry about I think um, but yeah the, the wide players I'd say that's, that's an area you, you probably will get some joy so. It's interesting Richard uh, Warren's mentioned them saying the full back areas for being a weakness in the um, West Brom side because Jack Arini and Johnson have both looked okay this season Andy what we've noticed this season is we have full backs who like to get forward that could be your target area then I think so yeah um, I mean, the, I think what what seems to be there seem to be quite a few similarities uh, in terms of that because Sunderland have struggled with their full backs over the, over the last three years but mm -hmm. seem to have finally in, in Colback and, uh, and Salutska, Salutska mm -hmm. seem to have happened upon a combination that'll work for them and the fact that Desain is set to come back as well so that that's not a problem, um, and I think that gives the wingers license to to go a bit, you know, to to go on and get a, a bit more joy. And if you know, if West Brom's fullbacks aren't aren't going to be up to the task of maybe defending against the likes of Jacarini and Johnson going at them, you know, for eighty minutes, it, it could be could be a good day. I, I think we'll have our strongest team of the season out actually um, this weekend. Probably. It's getting there, isn't it? Yeah, I think you know Jacarini's going to be back. Jacarini was uh, injured last week and. Um, you know, we've got a decent understudy by the look of it, and a guy called Charis Mavrias. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we'll we'll have Jack Rooney and Johnson in there. We'll have a midfield too, but we'll have Key in, is who's the man that mm -hmm. they've been looking for, and he he just made his debut last week. Altador and Fletcher will be fit together to start mm -hmm. for only the second time. Um, O'Shea will be back in; he's the captain. So it's it'll probably be as close to that look that, a, that 11 that he'll want hopefully. maybe with a couple of maybe your centre back might change occasionally and the centre midfielder might change occasionally mm -hmm. that plays alongside Key but I think you're going to be looking at that's going to be the team mm -hmm. and it's going to be really interesting to see because you know you run out of excuses in some respects so I think I think it's a massive game I, I mean I was saying Warren in the week that I think this is probably as big as if not bigger than the, the derby last season that we had under De Canio in some respects um, yeah. I, I really I, do I think, think it is list, um, I, I sort of read somewhere that you've got some really tough home games yeah. coming up after this certainly um, have yeah and we've got I think after you we've got Manchester United away Arsenal yeah. Stoke who we never beat mm -hmm. ever we've got a horrendous record against Stoke so we almost write that one off then we've got Liverpool and Chelsea so Sort of four of the top six in the next five games, mm. so, so equally for us. God, this is starting to feel like a yeah. cup final yeah. almost. Battle, um, the battle for the wooden spoon yeah. it's going to be, yeah. I think, the next year games. We've had a few of those over the years, the yeah. wooden spoon battle. Yeah, we've both been your your side over the, yeah. over the years. Richard, um, just while Gareth's touching on the settled side thing there, and he mentioned Fletcher and Altador, which is obviously a partnership that we were all, we've all accepted looks like it's going to work. Did he mention De Canio today much about Berini because he's He's almost been hinting that Fletcher may, might, isn't fit and he might not start and that he, he might go off Berene. I was just wondering if he'd mention anything. He he did. I mean, you have to, you have with Decanio, the thing you have to do is you have to read between the lines quite a lot. A lot of the stuff he says, you kind of get the meaning of what, he, what he's saying, but sometimes mm. you lose it in translation. Mm. Um, and and I think that was certainly the, the sense, of, well, that's what I picked up anyway, is that you know he could he could start Barini and Barini would naturally drop deeper into the into the midfield but also kind of sit at the top as well um Fletcher because he's at that level of his fitness if if you come against a three man midfield you're going to have to have one of your strikers dropping deep anyway and Decanio kind of suggested today that Fletcher's not fit enough to be doing that role mm. of kind of linking 
link in between midfield and but attack. But again, it's, so an, it's an encouraging situation we're in because we found ourselves playing Crystal Palace a few weeks back and we had Conor Wickham and G starting up front. We're now talking about two from three, Alador, Fletcher, Barini. That's just totally different, isn't it? It's a totally different ball game. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that's the thing. They've got options now. If you look at the bench, you look at the bench on Saturday, it was it was a fairly decent bench. I mean, Arsenal kind of filled theirs out with two or three squad players, but Sunderland's bench was was fairly decent. I mean, it's going to be probably better again on Saturday with, with the likes of if Catamull doesn't start, if, if Catamull does start, you've got Gardner in the bench, you can come on, Vaughan, you can come on, you know. Larson. Yeah, Larson, who can come on. He was champing at the bit to get to get back into the team. So Mavrias played well. Yeah, you know. he did. It's encouraging, but you know we all know that the momentum, downwards momentum, can happen if you keep losing games. That's the only and thing. West Bromwich are in a similar situation mm-hmm. now, especially in those forward positions, like you say, more. You know, you've got you've got the options that you that you needed, that you wanted now, um, and it's just I guess it's now a case of whether whether those players settle in. Do you expect Sessegnon to start at the weekend, or if you're saying he's going to play off the if player off the front, surely? Morrison might be a safer option because James Morrison actually has been pretty good for West Bromwich I mean, in the last couple of seasons. Um, he has. I, I, judging by what Clark said this week, I get the impression that Sessegnon is going to play quite a significant role. I think he said today or yesterday that almost sort of suggested the script was sort of written for him, the game was made for him. So I expect mm, that's what we're about. doesn't start. He's certainly going to come on quite early in the second half, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, Morrison was injured last week. And although he's probably going to be back, I'm not too sure what sort of physical condition he's in. So, mm. um, so we'll see with that one. I think is, is the is the slow just finally before we let you go on. Is the slow start to sort of walk the fans up a little bit because you had a good season last season and West Brom have always been a bit of a yo-yo side. Like, well, yeah. they kind of replaced Sunderland in that aspect because we've been in the Premier League six seasons now. But sometimes you forget how lucky you are just to be an established Premier League side. And you take it for granted a little bit, don't you? Do you, you oh, certainly find that you, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the case? We finished 11th, 10th and 8th in the last three years, which, um, although the 11th's probably a bit misleading as we were battling relegation for most of it. But, but yeah, I think so. I think you've probably, you've probably had this yourselves. You sort of have a couple of seasons up there. We've sort of got the glass ceiling in the sense that none of us are ever going to break into the top seven or eight, are we? All of a sudden, there's... There's nothing to really aim for. Your fans, there's a little bit of discontent. People start expecting that you win games against newly promoted sides. And yeah, I, I think there's sort of a wave of, I wouldn't say discontent, but sort of disgruntlement, slight disgruntlement at the moment. And um, in some respects, as you sort of allude to, it's not not really that justified because, I mean, you're a probably a bigger club than we are in the sense you've got a huge fan base but but we're not really we're probably punching above our weight slightly so mm-hmm. we are still quite lucky to be where we are but yeah I think I think a lot of people are sort of expecting us to be to be sort of wiping the floor with with sides that we finished above last year and, and as we both know that's just it's not the way it works so could, is it could an early goal tomorrow for uh, sorry on Saturday for Sunderland could that work could the crowd maybe start a Sure signs of the discontent now, vocally, do you think? <laughs> I'm not even sure it needs a goal, to be honest. The way, <laughs> the way they were in the last couple of games, yeah, there's, it, it's, it's, there's not been a great atmosphere, really, the last, the last few months, because it's not just this, these last three weeks we've not been playing well. We've not actually played well since Christmas. We've not picked results up since Christmas. So, so it's, there's a few murmurings, and, yeah, if you start well, then you know, the, the, the momentum's going to shift your way, definitely. It's funny talking about results 
bad results at West Brom that we've had, and we, we've had quite a few. But uh, I remember two results that we did get at West Brom is that when we got relegated with 19 points, and when we got relegated with 15 points, I think we drew what the game in the 19 point season two all. One in the 15. And we won in yeah. Letalic. One nil. Steve, did Steve Watson was score? Two thousand and six or something like that was that there? Yeah, no. yeah. So Steve Watson yeah. scored on goal, possibly. No, it was Letalic. Yeah, but it was two one, wasn't it? No, it was one nil. Was it? Yeah, it was one nil. I think. have to check that it out. Was two, there was a two all, and I think in the nineteen point season, Phillips might have scored a couple. And then they're bringing those up because I tried to banish both of them from. Well, you've paid us back. You've paid us back. You give us a good eye in four nil a couple of years ago. But before I let you go, Warren, we'll get a prediction from you. I get prediction from everybody actually because we're going to move away from the West Brom game um, once we finish speaking to Warren. So start with you, Warren. I'm I'm going to say I'll be in two one, not because I'm particularly confident that we're going to win two one, because I can't contemplate what's going to happen <laughs> if we don't win. That's all. So mm-hmm. we'll go with that. I think. Gareth. I'm going to say um, two nil to Sunderland. Right, please. <laughs> I'm I'm going to agree with him actually. Mm. I think and I think it's going to be and be more specific. It's going to be an early goal, which is completely going to annoy the Baggies fans because they haven't scored at home as well. That's that's another thing. And I think an early goal from Sunderland will, will get the the natives a bit restless, and it'll be an early goal. Then 80 minutes of of turgid defensive nonsense and a late winner, a late a late <laughs> a Barini goal. goal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Stephen. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to, um, I'm going to piggyback onto your, your <laughs> into your predictions. Then, thanks for coming on, Warren. Uh, hope you don't have too much fun at the game the weekend. No problems, and uh, good luck for the season after after yeah. Saturday, obviously. Okay, and cheers. Cheers. Bye bye. Okay, so I want to speak to you about um, the a sense of unity I feel now in, in over the last couple of days, probably because of the Martin Samuel piece, which I'm sure everybody's aware about, um, aware of. Uh, you can go and check it out if you're not just the Daily Mail and look for his bit on Sunderland. <laughs> um, not that I would want to promote people to read the, the garbage you came out with. I'm going to refrain from using the word agenda because... It's become a bit diluted that your word now and overused. But my main issue is that the criticism is just being made to fit the narrative, Gareth. Because you and I have discussed this over a pint, and we said there's plenty, and we, you touched on that earlier. Mm. There's plenty to be critical of De Canio about yeah. and of the club about. Yet there's no points of discussion regarding it because we always seem to be on the back foot defending pieces <coughs> like this, mm. nonsense like this. Yeah, um, I think it was just a, the latest in a in a long line of fits a narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that, that's what it is, isn't it? We've talked about this before, is that and we all know what it's like, and you try not to get too frustrated about it. But outside of the top four or five teams in the country, and then Liverpool, um, it's it's you know a stock opinion about certain teams, players, managers, and then it'll be churned out and recycled. And it becomes, you know, it doesn't. It's not the myth, you know. It's not a myth anymore. It's it's fact. And I just think with De Canio, there's so much of that that, like we say, the point just gets entirely missed. And mm-hmm. the team know, selections, team the selections, Cabral situation. It's yeah. all there. There's plenty there. And yeah. like, but G, all this is Richard. Like Richard, this is just 
this isn't creating division; it's creating unity, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it'll 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 see because Sunderland fans will see it as an attack on their club, and I personally see it as an attack against the North East because it's not Martin Samuel who's identified Sunderland; it's Gordon Taylor. And after that, it was Greg Dyke who said Sunderland are playing too many foreign players, and to a lesser extent, Newcastle as well. Newcastle got a lot of criticism for bringing in their French foreign legion in in January, and you know, Sunderland and Newcastle aren't the only clubs to be doing this, to be looking abroad and. The way you look at it, you know, Sunderland have had a net spend of seven seven million pounds this summer in identifying and bringing in fourteen largely international Europa League, Champions League international players. Would you have got that? Would you have got fourteen English players who have played in the Champions League, who have played in the Europa League, who are internationals for the club for the for the country? Would you have got that for a net net spend of seven million? Well, we're pounds? probably the prime advert not to shop local, not to well, shop locally <laughs> I domestically. Think it's it's interesting because going back to Martin Samuel again, there was a, an, an interesting piece on Rope Report today regarding uh, that by Chris Witherspoon, yeah. and he highlighted very good, yeah. You know, hi, he highlighted how um, Samuel himself earlier had stated yeah. that there's no point, there's no point basically spending this money on these players because there's no value, and Sunderland have looked for value this summer. It's not been about nationalities; it's been about value. And you know, I mean, Chelsea got Michael Ballack for free. I mean, it just because you're going around splashing big transfer fees, you know, you're not going to come back with a brilliant player. And to, I think, like you made some comments in the article, that were particularly disrespecting with the players what we've bought. It's like just because they don't cost a lot of money, it's like, oh, it's all right for Arsenal to sign Özil, and it's all right, you know, for Chelsea to sign, you know, Hazard and Schürrle and people like that. Um, but it's not okay for Sunderland to sign these players because he hasn't heard of them. Basically, mm. or nobody's heard of them. So, that's well, that's. To- I mean, Mavrias, youngest player ever playing the Champions League, playing for Panathinaikos, one of the biggest sides in, well, probably up there with biggest sides in Greece, and played the Champions League regu- a regular team who played regularly in the Champions League. Basel got Cabral. I mean, Cabral can't get Cabral's in the reserves, and yeah. Cabral was playing in the semi-finals of the Europa League last season. So, yeah, and Basel will go and beat Chelsea. Yeah. So. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, they but missed. They did miss Cabral in the game, though. Yeah, yeah, they did say <laughs> they that. Needed that yeah. defense, they needed that defense. They needed somebody a bit slow paced <laughs> to, to control the game. I think. I think what lets lets the article down. It, there may be a grain of a point in there, a grain of rice of a point, possibly. But it's in like possibly like a biryani of of, of inaccuracies <laughs> and, and falsehoods. Really, it, it, it it's really it's disappointing that because he is a prominent football writer and he appears national television every weekend and he is somebody that people like me as reporters as young reporters going into the game look up to and it's disappointing to see uh, what is the showpiece article littered with with so many inaccuracies I mean the main one for me uh, other than calling Mikel Mandron Russian which he isn't <laughs> but that, that highlights how lazy he is as, as a reporter he's, well he's the the Russian thing comes from soccer base which is a an all too often used tool by journalists to, to scout players really and just say oh he's how old is Mikhail Mandron? Oh, he's, he's, he's so and so, and he's from Russia. All oh, right, he's Russian, but he's not. He's a homegrown player, effectively. So, as is John Obi Mikel in the in the eyes of the FA, he's a he's a homegrown player as well because he came through Chelsea's well, youth system. Se- wasn't technically Sask Fagrabas being or, or yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, Bentner is as well. Yeah. As is Seb Larson. Mm. So he's a homegrown player, yeah. so he can play in the squad. But um, he mentions Duncan Watmore here, who yet to play any minute of a game and has not been included in the first team squad of twenty five. He's 19. He doesn't have to be named yeah. in the first team squad. Mars as well was an yeah. example. He, yeah. You know, Decanio can play anyone he likes. He can play, yeah. you know, a 17 year old from the from the under under 21 side if he wants to because he's a, they are homegrown players. Uh, another and 
that's the Mandarin line as well. That's that's wrong. Um, <laughs> it's a bit, it's just disappointing. Really. I, I wanted, you can I like, w- kind of just go through with the I, red I pen just and w- just. I wanted to know what it, what it, what his point was exactly when he started mentioning yeah, people like Shearer and Robson because these were people who didn't come through the any Northeast yeah. Academy. These anyway. are players that, that the Northeast yeah. Academy's so, so passed he, up on. So, so if his point is go and then sign somebody because the locals spend big money on them, we've spent. Six million pounds on Lee Catamore, ten million pounds on Adam Johnson, five point five million or whatever it was on Danny Graham. So, we again, we've been the pioneers for that as well. So I'm not, sh- I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, where wh- what he's getting at here because he's mentioned players, some who's came through academies and, um, and some who haven't. So what's and he getting if, at? And mm. if we nu- if we nurture English talent, then they Get tend to, to um, the English. Uh, mm. The English, the manager of the English national football team, will tell him to move. Yeah, and he doesn't. Th- 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 when was the last time an English manager came to a northeast game? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he, he just we, we've never seen him. Mm-hmm. So, and another an, another thing that, that strikes me is that you know the the English squad it's under under Hodgson he was never he was never said he was going to pick players on reputation, but again he's fallen into that trap like every other every other English manager has of fallen into the trap of picking on reputation. Ashley Young had. Ba- barely played a game last season came straight back into the squad as soon as he got fit Adam Johnson barely played as well as he could have done last season came into form at the end of the season had a good start to the season and arguably should be in the England squad on merit but but how how can he be picked if they Tom, haven't been up here Tom Cleverley Tom Cleverley exactly. Tom Cleverley who doesn't get into the Manchester United team ahead of Michael Carrick also actually from the North East of England um, who doesn't play for any North East side yeah um, yeah who who went for a lot of money as well? And you know, I, I'm sure, I did, didn't Carrick come through the Newcastle Academy or he, he was he was I think at, at a at a schoolboy level. Yeah, I think he was. Um, but yeah, Carrick who plays ahead of Cleverly doesn't get into the English national team, and he plays every week for Manchester United. You know, there could but be an it, argument for Jack Colback. Why well, is well, he? Well, you omitted you omitted Jack Colback from the article altogether. Yeah, you <laughs> admitted we, all we, of the people yeah, who Jordan negated Henderson, his argument. Jordan Henderson. Um, of course, who came through the academy and it's a big money move. He should be in the England squad now. And even to a lesser extent, somebody like Martin Waghorn, who's carved out a career in the Championship, isn't great, but he still plays for England under 21. Ooh, so yeah. you're looking at Jack Colback, who's a regular starter. You're looking at, it wasn't so long ago we had Conor Wickham, Jordan Henderson, and Martin Waghorn in the same starting 11 for the under 21. So it isn't a a fantastic ratio but it's not as it's not particularly worse than anybody well, else's. He also cites as an example Conor Wickham. Who and then he, he makes some comments about how or Carlson and Barr made no difference when Sunderland went down three one yeah. to Crystal Palace, and then says yeah. how Conor Wickham's restricted and he's not getting a chance. Conor Wickham played in that game the, the entirety of the yeah. game pretty yeah. much. So it, it struck it struck me when he when he mentions the cup game. Um, he's played one match for Sunderland so far. Talking about Moberg Mo Carlson, um, Sunderland were two 0 down when he was substituted in the sixty fifth minute, and Sunderland won for four two after he was replaced by Wickham. No, he wasn't. Was he replaced by Wickham? Yeah, he came on mm-hmm. as a substitute and scored twice. But I, I don't think there were many extended highlights of that game available, and I certainly didn't remember Martin Samuel being in a press box. So what? What report is he going? And he's going on here. So he's going on. Yeah. You know, he's just making an assumption that because <laughs> Moberg Carlson was substitute after sixty-five minutes, then Wickham's much better. Yeah, it's a, sc- <clears throat> a schoolboy argument. It's, it's I, I don't know if you. Really. I don't know if you saw today. Actually, did a. Uh, Q and A based on his articles. Yeah, this week. he does that. It's and there was it was very much like let's select some questions and I can belittle and like yeah. he basically brought a load of stuff on and went well that's not what I meant or he went oh 
you've spelt this wrong and stuff like just yeah, having a go that. and stuff like that it's like well what what is your point I mean if you if you want to be charged about it you spelled Defanti wrong all the way through the article so <laughs> stick that in your pipe and smoke it if you're listening Martin which you won't be just acutely aware that yeah. I might get a game in London and he might listen to the podcast he's probably, he's, he'll be listening to, he'll only listen to like Man United Chelsea Arsenal and Tottenham and mm. Liverpool podcasts yeah yeah be just very dismissive so when he does is like when they pretend he cross on on Sunday morning they can be knowledgeable about those teams Gareth Bale going to Madrid I mean he acknowledged that there was a high ratio of English players in the academies but then said but I mean we'll find out about that in two years and it's I just don't yeah. understand I just how many don't times is your opinion it? and facts going to change in, in know, the next two years I think Sunderland, Sunderland and Newcastle do a lot of a lot of work on scouting local talent and the problem is at the moment it's a bad crop not a bad crop, but it's not as rich a seam as it was a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think the way the league's developing in terms of the money that's going into it, the likes of Southampton spending thirty-seven million pounds on three players. If Sunderland were to field a full team of homegrown, locally academy source players, they'd get absolutely annihilated. Well, that's the thing. You need to be good. You need to be. Shame. You need to be good enough because I, I've seen the under twenty ones a bit. Now. I have to say, I like the look of that Mars. I think he looks okay without looking outstanding where you would think he should be this knocking on the first team but th- <clears> this is the point this is why we've had to go and sign these younger foreign players as it is because our under 21s isn't strong enough and I don't buy for one minute that De Canio is overlooking them not at all because he, he, he will be there looking and he brought some into the squad last season Yeah, he's going to want those lads to play if they're good enough I just don't think the under 21s is competitive enough it's not um, it's you know some you get the, it's good for the for the experienced lads to come in occasionally like we saw Cabral played um, and Liverpool had Ryan Sterling stuff like that I know he's still of age but he's an experienced first team Premier England League player now England yeah. International yeah. so I don't know what good that it's good to have those experienced heads on the pitch how but you know what of what benefit really is it the best, one, the the best ones used to play the reserve team didn't they and which it, was often full of internationals it, as well it doesn't it doesn't you know the, the, I mean I think they're talking about bringing in some sort of divisional promotion relegation yeah. system which needs to happen and on top of that the, I've noticed that there's a there's a cup competition between about 50, 52 academies basically like an FA Cup for the for the prem, Premier League well for the under 21s um, which is you know that, that could be a good thing but then again, if you get knocked out in the first round, then yeah, you know that you don't get that competitive experience. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed in that article, just sorry to be <laughs> completely picking holes in it, but he also says that if Sunderland were to be relegated this season, uh, they'd lose the Category One status in 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 the academy, which is absolute tosh because Middlesbrough have got cat- one of the only Category One clubs in mm-hmm. the Premier in the outside of the Premier League and. They they they're quite good. It's the, the thing is money talks in that sense, and mm. if you've got a lot of money to invest in your youth academies, like Middlesbrough did, and like Sunderland have, and like Newcastle are working towards, it, it you know that will secure the category one I mean, status. Some, obviously, you know some people know that I, until very recently I was involved in junior coaching, and Sunderland, Newcastle, and Middlesbrough all scout players from the age of eight. They do it extensively. They do it so to. To suggest that anything otherwise is just is just nonsense. I mean, sadly, I fell through the net when they all scouted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we all did. Was a, I, I knew you when you were a kid. Of the you, holes in that there's net. no hole in then any net <laughs> that you would have fallen through. <laughs> no, no. Um, but you know, there's, there's great there's greater problems there's greater problems in in the game um, than than this. You know, um, yeah. and to do with player development. Talked about last week the loans. The loans are stupid. Chris 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 Young did a bit about it in the Echo today, and there's so many. There's so much. 
wrong with the loan system, especially in the Premier League, that stints the growth of players. You know, if you brought in people, talk about oh, let's bring in a in a system where every you can only allow to pick five foreigners, and or you've got to you've got to pick five English players. Well, all that happened then is all of the best English players would get bought by the top teams because they need to have five good English players in their team. And then what would happen is that the other teams would just be left with bad English players, players who aren't good enough. That you know, I mean, it, it, we're, we're we're talking about wider issues in Sunderland here, but I mean, Stephen made, made an excellent point in, in private in the, in the discussion is like, why why don't they every six weeks have some sort of, you know, the pick forty English players from the Premier League, and then take them to to St George's Park or whatever it's called, and have two or three days training with Roy Hodgson, mm, and definitely. then. Then, because you're saying you players know, who don't not, qualify for yeah. the 21s, and there's good English players, and sometimes not, you don't know. What not every like. game, like um, you're saying, not every game. Yeah. There might be a game where Jack Colback could play, because if if you know that, you think, well, what kind of player are we looking for to play? We're playing, I don't know, we're, we're playing Belgium. What kind of they do this, they do that, and they might see something in a player in that training yeah. two days where they go right. Well, we're going to bring this him in for this. They squad. don't use the scope enough. They don't. No. Use, they don't use the scale enough, and that that's something that should be looked at. Every English player should should go and be able to train with England nationals now, so managers can have a look at them in the flesh, and then they're not having to go and scout a game mm-hmm. and watch Jack Colback against West Ham some random yeah. Tuesday night. But you know that's that's a whole different argument. I've got loads on this. <laughs> I think the fact when I started coaching only made it worse as well. But um. We'll spend the next um, last five minutes trying to get back on the sudden and then. Um, what, are, what are people hoping to see um, specifically? Obviously a win, but from certain players or from certain things. I think, I mean, if, if I was to start, I would say that uh, something that I, I read, um, read a piece today. Um, who was it again? Me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about... Um, Altador saying that we need a goal, and I can't remember. Was it Paolo De Canio? <laughs> he talks um, a lot about Altador. said something about it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, I think it's relevant because you know goal scorers are judged on goals and all that. But of course, Altador brings a lot more than that. But the point, excellent point, it was Mark Douglas. The excellent point that he made was that when Danny Graham first came up, he started off quite well, got man the match against Newcastle, but then it just the weight on his shoulders because he didn't get this goal well, he's, and he has, we, 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 we don't want that to happen to Josie he did score in the in the cup mm-hmm. yeah but a league goal is different I think is it okay yeah. well he scored against Arsenal We're not, come on <laughs> back on the point that's not a goal that's going to dishearten him even more yeah I, I, think, I felt I really felt for him like when that mm. when that goal was disallowed you could see in his face how disappointed he was um, that's it and he's visibly disappointed and he spoke about it twice on two separate occasions since the since the match so this Richard I can't you know it's easy for us to say you can't let it play on your mind but that, that's what I'm talking about when I would like to see him score the sooner the better no matter the result yeah I think there's a lot more to his game than scoring from, from what I've seen of him so far he does a lot more work than just finishing goals off but obviously yeah it'll do great for his confidence he's, he, but I don't think there's anything that suggests that he's going to play any worse because he's not scoring goals he I does a lot of work I think if he I think <clears throat> if you give him the opportunities I think he'll he'll score I mean he, he missed the Palace game so he's played what the following year where we lack that creativity um, and then the uh, the uh, 
Southampton game where he actually he didn't do too well in the Southampton game. No, he didn't. He probably had one chance which he might have done but, better but, with. But, 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 but I made the point then that he didn't because he didn't play well in the Southampton game. Then he scored against MK Dons and the confidence came back into mm. his game. So I suppose that just you know solidifies my point that he's now had a goal taken away from him. We don't want him to you know be like this vicious circle where he's going round and round. When you when you look at him, his performances though, and some of the stuff he's done and some of the chances he's had or half chances he's had, you can't. I don't like to talk too much about luck because I think you make your own luck. But he has been Cliché. a bit. He has been a bit unlucky. Mm-hmm. Hasn't he? I mean, oh, he, that header just unlucky. wide. You know, he hit yeah. that against them Dons even before he scored. He hit that shot that the hit inside the inside the post. The post. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, you know, you just, you know, hopefully he gets, you know, gets one this weekend. I, I, I say, I think, I think we can win this weekend. And as a two 0 prediction, um, I, I, I do, I do think we're capable of getting the result. I think we will, as I said before, have pretty much our strongest eleven. Um, if Craig Garnett can play, I think that half of football he played at sat on Saturday was probably the best half of football I've seen Craig Garner play. So for Sunderland, so let's hope he can carry that on. Like you say, it's always that thing. This is why we've got this problem with these midfielders that they just don't do it consistently enough, and whatever qualities they've got are just far too rarely expressed. Um, but it was nice to see him run past somebody. <laughs> he beat somebody for pace. Couldn't believe it. My mm. eyes nearly fell out. Was the player um, injured on the floor? The no, time? no. He, he made a lovely. He got in behind, and uh, he, he probably should have done better once he got there. He was probably shocked that he got in. Um, but yeah, fair, fair play to him. So you know, hold my hands up and say well done to Craig Gardner. Richard, anything you're looking for from the team or from an individual? Anything that we we can draw positives from? I think just a sign of progression, really. We haven't seen that. From from what I've seen of Sunderland so far this season, there hasn't been any signs of progression. Of they've, they've had encouraging games, but it's been immediately succeeded by a disappointing game. So although there were imp- impressive areas of the Southampton game after a game of domination against Fulham, they were ultimately let down by you know a couple of defensive errors at the end, and that denied them a win. Then going on to Crystal Palace, and then that, obviously that that's there for everyone to see an improvement against Arsenal in the second half. That should see them kick on, but. But will it? I don't know. It's. Mm. It, I. I. I just like to see some progression mm. in terms of All performance. We saw that. We we did see that at the weekend, though. Like we did see that in the second half. There, yeah. there was obvious progression. It was a big second. You've just said it was a big second half for Gardner. It was probably a massive second half for Sunderland because they needed that, didn't they? Yeah. They well, needed it. they needed something. I mean, the the three. If even if they could have got one back at three two and gone out with it, I think they could have walked away feeling really even more confident because. That sense of injustice almost will be boiling up inside of them, and well, it still probably will in the training yeah. ground. And the, the, you know, if that gives them new focus, then that could be a positive thing. And you know, try and take some positives yeah. from that. So I've already got predictions from everybody. So I'd just like to say thanks to everybody who mm. listened. Well, what Gareth, Gareth always needs to finish yeah. on something. Because so he's he, he, he always got something. He's always got something to finish. If you listen to any, I try and close yeah. the show, and then he puts his finger up. Yeah, because if you listen, if you listen to any good podcast at the end, the presenter. I'm presenter. I've just done the. Um, just <laughs> I've just done the fingers thing. Well, that's why we have a problem because I'm not a good presenter. Um, oh, this isn't a good yeah, podcast. So they usually say, "Anybody got anything? Any questions? Any anything to bring up before we go?" I'm looking at the time. But time you never do it because there's time restrictions. It. There's time restrictions. What I was going to say was that um, obviously we did the live podcast a few weeks ago, and um, a lot of people came to that and donated money to the cause that Richard is is doing at the moment, um, which was the. Uh, the, the the runs the Richard runs as it's called yeah 
and he probably completed the most high profile of the runs last weekend so well Same done day. to him the, the great north run so um yeah thanks again to everybody who donated for that yeah yeah thanks i'm um bad I'm quite. I was overwhelmed at the time with the, the the donations that were made on the night, as well as the donations that were made through through door sales. And I'm eternally grateful. And it's all going to the right place. Mm. Now you're making me feel guilty for not bringing <laughs> yeah, it up yeah. myself automatically. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't going to bring it up. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thought it was appropriate because you were here. So. He just likes to have one more. One more left. The last word. One more left. One more run in ten days' time. So you can still, uh, if you fancy donating, you can still do that. Yeah. If you want, good stuff. You can finish now. <laughs> Any more business? You're supposed to say that before you say you're learning. Come on, nothing. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and edit this out. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We will hopefully be in a better mood next week. <laughs> and um, let's not think about Stefan Sesnion too much. Over and out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.